and I'll be reading from verses 1 through 10. Let us soak in God's truth as I read. Colossians chapter 2, verse 1. I want you to know how much I am struggling for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally. My purpose is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. For though I am absent from you in body, I am present with you in spirit, and delight to see how orderly you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world rather than on Christ. For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and you have been given fullness in Christ, who is the head over every power and authority. Thank you, uh, Amanda, for reading God's Word to us this morning. This is the Word of God. God's Word is precious to us. It is given to us for our growth, our understanding, and uh, for us to continue in, in Him. So let's... Uh, let me please pray and then we look at this passage, please. Heavenly Father, thank you for your precious word, the word that you have given to us. What a great privilege to read this word and to have it explained. We thank you, Lord, for this word which is living. And we pray, Father, that we will humble ourselves before you and your word and that your congregation here at St. Stephen's will be a word-centered, Christ-honoring church. We ask that you bless this word. Please forgive me for my sins and use me as an instrument in your hands. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, friends, this morning, I want to look at Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. And let me say a few things, please, as a way of introduction this morning. I remember, brothers and sisters in Christ, friends, the very first time... Uh, that I preached from this pulpit. It was a long time ago when I was invited in, uh, in sometime in two, 2002, 2002, as one of many visiting preachers. I was just asked, would you like to preach at St. Stephen's? And so I came and I preached. And it was, uh, and then I remember at the time thinking and looking at this pulpit and thinking, wow. What a beautiful pulpit this is, right? I've never been on such a beautiful pulpit like this. I knew it was very big, could hide me, really. 
and, and, and the lecture, and I remember at the time, was quite high, and I had a struggle in trying to put this thing down because I'm not that tall, you know, so <laughs> it was built for six foot five people, uh, not for an Asian guy like me anyway. So. But look, I came here and I preached, and, um, and at, at the time, St. Stephen's had been vacant, I think and Barry and others will know this, for about two, two and a half years, right, without a minister. And then, so I preached as one of the visiting preachers, and I thought that was it. That was it. And I went home, and I continued on my ministry at Reservoir Presbyterian. And then after a while, I received a call from the interim moderator and uh, asking me to preach with a view to a call. And I thought, whoa, that is, that's, that's now getting very serious. And this was serious indeed. And then the process began. And so I came and officially preached for a call here at St. Stephen's. I preached in the morning, and I preached at the evening service. And uh, I'm going to mention something now here about someone in this congregation who is sitting right there. I'm not going to, I have to embarrass you a little bit, Susan. I remember Susan Kana. I think she was passing here, or did you come here? I'm not really sure. Whatever it was, I met Susan at the, when I'd completed the service at the entrance there to the church. And I met her, I've never met her before. And I said, look, I'm Chris, and I'm just preached here, and I'm not sure, did you actually come? I'm not sure, maybe you were in, no. I said, look, why don't you, uh, I'm from Sri Lanka, and you're from India, we got talking about curries and all that, no, we didn't. <laughs> I didn't know she had, was from Tanduri then, because I'd have gone after the service there. Didn't know that. <laughs> but she uh, then, um, and, and, and then we started talking, and I invited, invited her to, uh, to church at St. Stephen's. For the first time, I've never met her, invited her to church. And I think by God's grace, she started coming. And then when I preached here for the call, um, and then next Sunday, or later on, I saw you in this church. So, there you go. Years ago, hey? And by God's grace, Susan is here uh, in, in this place. And what a blessing that has been. And so then the process began. And when Rose and, and I... Uh, were invited to the selection committee right in the blue room. And then, uh, and then we were sitting there and got a thorough drill in from the, from the committee. And then due process began, and by the 31st of, of January 2003, I was inducted as a, as a minister. And what a privilege it has been to serve the Lord and his people. And I was praying and reflecting. I said, what would I speak on today on this Sunday morning? And that's why I gave you that context, by the way, of how the ministry has developed here. And my thoughts were drawn to Colossians chapter 2, uh, verses 6 and 7 in particular. And if you have been coming uh, to the AM service, uh, you know that we have been studying this letter. And today's text is, I think, quite an uh, appropriate one, which reads as follows, 6 and 7. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Just two verses, friends, this morning. And if you are to remember this message, I would like you to remember just three words. Right? You forget everything. I'm not asking you to forget everything else, but just three words. Continue in Christ. All right? Continue in Christ. Just three words. And two things that I want to look at uh, this morning, and that is the past and the present. The past, 6a, uh, 6b and 7, uh, the present. Let's have a look at uh, what Paul is saying here to uh, this 
church, which was, by the way, a church that was influenced by false teaching, a mixture of all kinds of things. I won't go into that this morning, Gnosticism and all that that's affected this place. And he says, therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. I'm looking at 6a. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord. Just think about it, friends. So then, just two words connects or links us to what has been said in the previous section. And in the previous section, the Apostle Paul has given us an incredible, wonderful, Christological analysis of the work of Jesus Christ. And he comes out with that amazing and powerful statement, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And so Paul is saying here, just as you received Christ. Now, this word here in the Colossian uh, uh, context here, the word receive is, uh, is more than just to simply accept it is receiving, the, 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 the original Greek word here, it means to receive of the traditions or the content of this message. It's not just, yes, it's a receiving Christ, I'll come to that, but it is more than that. And here it means that the Colossians had received the tradition and the teaching about Jesus and who he was, and what he had done. So it's not, yes, of course, receiving Christ personally, but they have received the understanding of who Jesus is. They received him in his fullness. They received Christ as the anointed one, the Messiah. They received the truth of the gospel, and they received him as Jesus, a historical person. As God who became flesh on that very first Christmas. Remember the words of the angel to Joseph? She shall give birth to a son. And you are to give him the name? Jesus. Because he will save his people from their sins. Do you see that? That's the Jesus that they have received. <laughs> No, no, not some kind of a fanciful Jesus. Not kind of a, a pop star Jesus. Not a Santa Claus Jesus. Not a prosperity theologian Jesus. No, no. They have received the Jesus as revealed in the scriptures. But more than that, the Jesus who has been made known to the world, Christ the anointed one. And what a firm belief that must be, friends, for you and for me, that we will hold on to this Jesus who has been given and revealed to us. There are so many other versions of Jesus out there, right? But we have one Jesus as revealed to us in the Word of God. And that's the Jesus that we must hold on to who is our Savior. And then, he is not only a Savior, notice the words, and not only did they receive him as Savior, they also received him as Lord. And uh, as is proud, uh, the great, uh, uh, he's, he's passed away now, he said this, 
Uh, when kurios, that is, uh, that is the word lord, is used uh, in this sense, it conveys the idea of one who is absolutely sovereign. It is a majestic title conveying God's sovereignty and divine power. Right? So that, that is who this Lord is. So when the Colossians became Christians, they received the tradition and teaching of who Jesus is, but also as their Lord. This is the Christ of the Bible, not some other Christ as some cults may proclaim. As the Jehovah's Witnesses would say, or the Mormons, you know, when they keep coming to your house, you need to know what kind of Jesus that they are talking about, right? And you start unpacking that. So this is Jesus Christ as revealed in the scriptures. So they received him, a past thing. And to receive him then is to become a Christian. To receive Jesus, the Son of God, is to receive him as Christ, the Messiah. To receive Jesus as the Son of God is to receive him as the Savior. And what a blessing that is. That Jesus died for you. Can you ever comprehend that? Can you ever for a moment think about that? That this Savior died for you on the cross? That he took your place as your substitute? That he gave his life for you? That he showed the God's love for you? And he paid a price that we cannot ever pay. And he has brought you to salvation. And he has given us the blessings of eternity. And he has given us the blessings of abundant life. And that's the joy that comes from knowing this Savior. That is who he is. That's who he is. How about you this morning, friends? Have you received this Jesus into your life? You may have heard about him. You may have heard many messages about him, but this morning I'm going to ask you, I see uh, it's great that you're here this morning, and if you've never heard about this Jesus, I'm going to ask you this question. How about you this morning? Have you received this Jesus into your life? Do you know this amazing Savior? Uh, what he's done for you? How great is that? Do you know Jesus Christ? And then he says, the text moves on here. The NIV, NIV says, live in him, but the ESV translates this verse, which is, I think, quite correct. The ESV and, and the Greek translation would say that. So walk in him, the present. So you received a past action, the present. What do you do? I became a Christian? Great. Do we just fold up our hands and sit on a nice couch and relax after that? Spiritually speaking, that is? No, no. We continue in him, right? We're all getting older. Someone said to me last week, very, very encouraging conversation I had with this person. But he said, we're all getting older at the same rate. Thank you very much for reminding me that. <laughs> Some have just got a bit ahead of us. Mm. <laughs> Wonderful, isn't it? You pick up some great conversations with people. It's good. That's the pastoral ministry. Yeah? You enjoy that. I enjoy that anyway. Anyway, so the present, uh, he says, continue on in him, continue living in him. The, the word that is used here uh, is the, the word which we get the understanding of someone who is traveling from place to place. It's a way of life. I mean, Paul used the word, it was meant to describe a person's perhaps a lifestyle. For example, we would speak of all walks of life, don't we? Right? Or we would speak of things like this, uh, you got to walk the talk. The things that I've picked up since I've come here to Australia many years ago. Huh? You've got to walk the talk. 
that means you got to live what you say, right? Do what you say. So now, let's think about the walk. How many of us enjoy walking? Uh, don't worry. Uh, hands going up already. All right, that's good. It's a very responsive congregation this morning. Only one hand went up, by the way. <laughs> so we're concerned, friends, right? Walking, right? We all enjoy walking. I, I'm, well, I'm sure most of us enjoy walking, right? I know some of you are in walking clubs here. I know that for sure. Right? And, and, and walking is fantastic. Right? Uh, I love my walks. So when I go on holidays, I always pack up my runners and exercise clothes and go walking. It energizes, it's therapeutic, all that kind of stuff. So physically, we are conditioned to walk, aren't we? But think about walking for a moment. I was thinking about this. It's quite fascinating when you think about walking. I, I, I was trying to work this thing out. You get up, then, then you must put your foot forward. If you're going backwards, different, right? Forward, and then you put, must put the other one, the other one must follow, right? Because if it doesn't, you lose your balance and you fall, right? Walking. We don't stand still, isn't it, when you're walking? You, you can't stand still and walk at the same time. So what does Paul mean here when he says, walk in him? He, he's using this, this metaphor here to, to remind us, to, to, to basically tell us that to, for Christians, it is a walk of life. To walk in him means progressing in the Christian life. Being born again is the first step in the Christian life, and then comes the next thing, and that is we walk in him. That is, we continue in him. We continue him as his disciples, and the walk never ends until Jesus calls us To walk in him is to keep in step with Jesus. It is one thing to receive Christ, but it is also a necessity to continue in him. Think about the parable of the sower. I won't go into that this morning. Some received the word, but never followed up afterwards. I'm thinking of Second uh, John chapter 1, verse 4. I rejoice greatly, John says, to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as we were commanded by the Father. So, brothers and sisters in Christ and friends, to walk in Him is to place one foot in front of the other and keep walking in faith and walking in the Spirit by His Word, trusting and following Him. To walk in Him is to obey and to please Him. To walk in Him is to say, here is my life, it belongs to you, Lord. Help me to live as a Christian at uni, at school, in the workplace, as a retiree, young or old, walk in him, continue in Christ. And may I encourage you, please, as a church family here at St. Stephen's, to continue in Christ. To walk in him is to say no to the, the shackles of sin. And to walk in him is to humble ourselves and trust him because he will never fail. And then, he moves on, gives us four participles. We'll quickly look at this. Rooted in him, rooted, built up, uh, established, and abounding in thank thankfulness. Rooted, right? This word, he goes on from a walking metaphor to an horticultural metaphor, the roots of a tree, to be rooted in him. It sounds like Paul is contradicting himself, like you're walking and now he's going into rooted. How can you do that? It doesn't, right? The first metaphor, we are told we should walk, Movement, now we're saying we should be rooted. 
You see, when Jesus told the parable of the sower, he, he spoke about that, isn't it? Some people are like plants growing in shallow soil. I mean, the heat of the sun beat down. When trouble came, the plants withered. Now I know some people here are great horticulturalists. I can see one person straight in my direct line of vision. Yeah. You can ask him anything about plants, and he knows most things, right? He's the guru. Ask him after the service. I won't mention his name. I charge you for a consultancy fee. <laughs> <laughs> this horticulturalist, right? Uh, now we know that for a plant, I, I'm, I'm not a great gardener, but uh, you know, I, I try and do my part with Roundup. <laughs> so, so the plant, <laughs> planting, right, is that for a plant to really thrive, it must have a strong, deep root system, right? And it is said that, uh, uh, that, that one of the strongest, uh, deepest root systems is in, in the fig tree. Now, I'm not, I'm not really sure about that. That's what I, I, I read. But there's this guy called Jim Urban. Uh, he, he's a specialist. Uh, and he said, roots require three things, water, oxygen, and soil uh, compaction. Right? L uh, th th these are all important, apparently, for, for the plant to, to survive, to allow, to allow the root penetration and to, to draw all the nourishment uh, from, from the soil. If, if all of these conditions are met, apparently roots can grow to a great, to great depths. Under ideal soil and moisture conditions, roots have been observed to grow to more than 20 feet, 6 meters. I'm only quoting what I heard from this expert, Jim Urban. That's big. Now apply that to the Christian life, friends. We dig deep, don't we? Where are your roots this morning? Is it rooted in Christ? Are you drawing the nourishment from Jesus, the energy, the strength, the power, the grace, the enabling, or are you withering away? Are you deeply rooted? You know, and when we are deeply rooted, friends, I can tell you this, and I'm sure you can as well. In the midst of every wind that comes our way. I mean, the tree is blown this way and that way and the branches are going all over the place. When the root system is deep and like in our lives when the pressures come and things hit us and we are, we are swaying like a tree this way and that way. When we are deeply rooted, there's stability. Is there not? There's strength. There's nourishment. There's grace. Because we are rooted in Christ and we draw from him everything we can and he offers. Are you this morning? The psalmist says this, and, and in fact before that, in, one John, in sorry, John 15, abide in Christ. Psalm 1 says this, isn't it? Blessed is the man who walks, who, who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. And then we have these words. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season, and its, and its leaf does not wither in all that he does. He, what do we say? He prospers. He's like a tree rooted. Yields its fruit. Leaf does not wither. And he prospers. Are you withering this morning? Or are you deeply rooted? When I say you, I'm putting myself as well. All right? So continue in him. And the next one is to be built up. Very quickly, have a look here. The metaphor shifts from the field of horticulture to that of architecture. 
There are quite a few civil engineers here, right? I know that. And there are others who are studying civil engineering. And, <laughs> and yeah, you know this morning that, uh, that if the structure is to be strong, it needs to have a solid foundation. Look at this building. I'm, I'm, I'm quite amazed each time I look at this, this structure here, right? These walls are pretty solid stuff. Foundations are pretty solid. And they stood all these years because it has a solid foundation. And for the Christian friends, Christ is our foundation. Look at that. Christ is the foundation and we are living stones. So this morning, let us be focused on building on Christ. Not having our own agendas. Because people can come with all their agendas, right? There's only one agenda in the church. And it's Christ. Not our own. And what a challenge that is for us. Established in the faith. Strengthened in the faith. That is, in the faith that you have been taught. Not a faith, but the faith. And we do that by studying and holding forth to the apostolic teaching. Look at Acts chapter 242. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread. And that is being built up in the faith. So I pray that will be for you. And then, finally, we have this overflowing with thanksgiving. The picture here is that of a fountain that overflows. You got some fountains in your garden? Anyone? Maybe you do. Isn't it nice to hear the water right? overflowing? How about a beautiful sound that is? And the picture here is overflowing with thankfulness. And Paul teaches that the Christian life involves thanksgiving. The Christian life invariably entails thanksgiving. Paul, in other words, is teaching that all Christians are to continue to be filled with gratitude to God. Overflowing. Cannot be contained. It's a life of gratitude and worship. To Jesus. This morning, let me ask you, friends, are we giving thanks to God? Is your heart overflowing this morning to say, Lord, I thank you for all your blessings to me. I thank you for what Christ has done for me. I thank you that my Savior has done so much for me, that he has brought me out of darkness to light. What a blessing that is. Have you? Is your heart today overflowing with thankfulness? Is your heart overflowing with gratitude? When is the last time we said to, to the Lord, thank you? I've been uh, listening to lots of mu um, music. I've been listening to Christian songs this past week. And in fact, in the early hours of this morning, I was in my office listening away with my headphones so the rest of the family didn't get up. Right? And one of the songs that was, I was listening was this. It's called My Tribute. Do you know that one? To God be the glory. It says this. I don't have it here, but how can I say thanks for the things you have done for me? Things so undeserved, yet you gave to prove your love for me. Let's try and sing it. The voices of a million angels could not express my gratitude, all that I am and ever hope to be, I owe it all to thee. To God be the glory, great things. To God be the glory, to God be the glory for the things he has done. 
And then he says this, with his blood he has saved me. With his power he has raised me. To God be the glory for the things he has done. And the last verse is this, just let me live my life. Let it be pleasing, Lord, to thee. And if I gain any praise, let it go to Calvary. How can I say thanks? How about you? How can you say thanks to God for all that he has done for you? Will you this morning continue in Christ? This morning continue to be rooted and built up and strengthened in the faith and be overflowing with thankfulness as God's people here at St. Stephen's. May the Lord bless you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your abundant blessings to your precious people here at St. Stephen's. And I pray this morning that you will continue to bless this church, that your people will continue in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.